Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lentz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Hey, learn more about the program, podcast, our free event coming up, and how to donate when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael and his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 called For the Good of My Neighbor and the Glory of God. All right, would you take your Bible? Let's open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 for the good of my neighbor and the glory of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're beginning in verse 23. We're going to read. The section actually moves to 11.1. This is where chapter breaks are not always precise. I would argue that 11.1 is to be included in this section, as I think you'll see in a moment. Let's read the passage together. For the good of my neighbor and the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Corinth by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, All things are lawful, 1 Corinthians 10, 23, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own good, but that of his neighbor. Eat anything that is sold in the meat market without asking questions for conscience' sake. For the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. If one of the unbelievers invites you, 27, and you want to go, eat anything that is set before you without asking questions for conscience' sake. But if anyone says to you, this meat, this is meat sacrificed to idols, do not eat it. For the sake of the one who informed you and for conscience' sake. I mean not your own conscience, but the other man's, for why is my freedom judged by another's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I slandered concerning that for which I give thanks? Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of the many, so that they may be saved. Be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. May the Lord write his word on our hearts. Pray with me if you would. Father, thank you so much for the, all the precious people who have entered into this place on this Lord's Day. We want to honor you. We thank you for your living word. We thank you that we're alive in Jesus, those of us who know you and those who don't. I pray that today would be their day. Thank you that Christ is in us, the hope of glory. Thank you for just the power of your resurrection in our lives and the fellowship that we enjoy with the saints of God. Lord, we need your touch because we see the struggle in ourselves and in this world. Just wanting to do the right thing, finding another law, as Paul said in Romans 7, in my members that the thing I want to do, I often don't do. The thing I, I hate, I often find myself doing. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? And then Paul says, thanks be to God, because we have the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to pursue that relationship with him, Lord. We know that in our own strength, we can do nothing. In our flesh, we can do nothing. So would you show us the way through this text, the practical application, the understanding of the Word of God, so that we can live it out and bring you glory, I pray, in Jesus' name and all God's people said, 
Amen. Now, the good of my neighbor is connected directly to the glory of God. The two are inseparable. The reason that we want to do good to our neighbor is because we've experienced the glory of God. Now, what I'd like to show you is a passage in the book of Exodus. If you turn back to Exodus chapter 32, Genesis and then Exodus, so the second book of the Bible. We know that as we've been studying 1 Corinthians 10 specifically, Paul has gone back to the wilderness wanderings for illustrations to warn the Corinthian church, and I would argue the church here in Corona, about how we're to live and how we're not to repeat the same mistakes that Israel made specifically in the wilderness wanderings. Exodus uh, 32, uh, actually go back for a moment, 31 says, 31.18, it says, when he had finished speaking with him upon Mount Sinai, 31.18 of Exodus, he gave Moses the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone, written by the finger of God. Now, we've touched on Exodus 32, that the people, when Moses was not returning quickly, they said, what's happened to him? We don't know. We know they made, the golden calf was made by Aaron with their jewelry, and we know what happened, right? They, de they descended into idolatry and debauchery and all of that, and that was, a, that was a sad time for Israel. In Exodus 33, uh, Moses is interacting with God, and here's what it says. This is uh, 13 of Exodus 33. Now, therefore, I pray you, Moses says, if I have found favor in your sight, speaking to God, 33, 13 of Exodus, let me know your ways, that I may know you, so that I may find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight? I and your people, is, is it not by your going with us, your presence, so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from the other people who are upon the face of the earth? Your glory is what distinguishes us, is what he's saying, your presence. The Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken for you found favor in my sight, and I've known you by name. Then Moses said famously, I pray, I pray you, show me your glory. I can't help but think of the song by Third Day. <laughs> show me your glory. <laughs> Send down your presence. I want to see your face. That's the heart of Moses. Show me your glory. And he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man can see me and live. Then the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me and you shall stand there on the rock and it will come about when, while my glory is passing by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. And then I will take my hand away and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Now I can't tell you that I understand all the dynamics of this, but it is shared in human language so we can get the picture that Moses just deeply desired to see the glory of God. The more I live on this planet, the more I look at the world, the more I look inside my own 
dark heart at times. That's my passionate cry. Oh, Lord, show me your glory. Send down your presence. Because with you, life makes sense. Now, remember that in this setting, the Ten Commandments were given to Moses and the people of God broke the commandments. And if you think about the essence of the law, this is where I want to just put before you this thought that the glory of God and the good of my neighbor intersect. It's because the law comes from the very heart of God. So when Jesus was asked about what's the great commandment of the law, Jesus said, the great commandment of the law is you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is like it. This is Matthew twenty-two thirty-six through 40. The second is like it. You shall what? Love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus says, on these two commandments, hang the entire law and the prophets. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six. 40. So the glory of God is directly connected to the good of my neighbor because the law is about bringing glory to God, having no other gods before him, right? For several commandments. And then the rest of the law, really in the Ten Commandments, is about the good of my neighbor. Scholars like to talk about the intrinsic glory of God, that God has glory in and of, of, of himself Uh, Whether or not we give him glory, he is glorious. That's who he is. It's his very nature. He has intrinsic glory. But another thing that we can do as people is ascribe glory to the Lord. And one of the ways that we ascribe glory to the Lord or we give him glory is by our worship. And our worship is much more than a song. Amen? Our worship is about our lives. Our worship is about our conduct. Our worship is about loving one another as he has loved us. And I would submit to you that when you're experiencing the glory of God, that's when the good of your neighbor is going to be uppermost in your mind and heart. Now, Moses kind of stood out out among this group. He was spending time with the Lord, and it seems like Moses was the exception to everybody else. Even his own brother Aaron got caught up in the idolatry. Why was Moses different than the people? Well, Moses was certainly a man like everybody else, and Moses would fail, we know, Uh, at one point in his life, and that's why he didn't go into the promised land. He wasn't a perfect man, but I would submit to you that the more time you spend in the glory of God, in the presence of God, if you will, the more you're going to have the desire to do good to your neighbor. Amen? They intersect. They go together. The very law comes from God, and when God is working in your life, turn all the way over to Colossians chapter 1 you're going to notice that you're going to desire to do the law of God because the law of God is going to be deep in your heart. Now, we know the Holy Spirit certainly lives in us, but it's as a believer, we all know that we can still walk in the flesh and not in the Spirit. So take a look at this Colossians 1. Paul's talking about the mystery that was hidden from past generations. 126 now has been manifested to his saints. This is Colossians 1.27, to whom God will to make known what is the riches of the glory, Colossians 1.27, of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, note it, the hope of glory. And we proclaim him, admonishing every man, 128, and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we, says Paul, may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose I also labor striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. Flip over to Colossians 3 and look at verse 1. 
Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above. Think of Moses. Think of the, the mountain. Think of his desire to see the presence of God. This specifically where Christ is seated at the right hand of God there in heaven. Set your mind. Here's the key to Christian living. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. The Ministry of Walking Truth and Pastor Michael Lance would like to give you a copy of his book, Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. You know, I wrote Suit Up because I sense the need in the body of Christ and really in my own life to be suited up with the armor of God. Armors for one thing, protection. From what? Well, from temptation, from the enemy, from falling, from being wounded, from hurting others. So we suit up, that's the image, we put on the armor of God so that we can be protected and effective in our Christian walk and help others in the battle and the journey. We will send you a copy of Suit Up as a thank you when you send a financial gift of $5 or more to Walk in Truth. Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry, and we appreciate your help to broadcast and grow the ministry to more radio stations. Please give online at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com. Click the Donate button or call 844-48-TRUTH. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Set your mind, here's the key to Christian living, set your mind, Colossians 3, 2, on things above, not on the things that are on the earth. Set it on the glory of God, the ways of God, the person of God, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him, here's our word again, in glory. Turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. The, the word glory is doxa in Greek, back to 1 Corinthians 10, and it is kavod or kavod in Hebrew. In the ancient world, when they wanted to measure the value of something, they did it often by weight. And so the word doxa and the word kavod has this idea of that which is weighty. So when we talk about the glory of God, one way to think about the glory of God, one way to think about the concept of glory is to think about weightiness. Like if we were talking with our friends about a deep subject, and may, this may be a bit passe, maybe it's something we used to say in the past, but we would say to one another, wow, even at a Bible study, that's heavy, man. Anybody? Right? That's my best Raul Reese impression right there. It's heavy, man. It's heavy in my chevy, man. Anyway. What do we mean by that? We mean that we're talking about something substantive, something meaty, something weighty. That's the word glory. Now, here's the application for you. Glory has to do with whatever you put value to, whatever you put weight to in your life. That's what you end up glorifying. Whatever you put great value, honor, weight that is what you are glorifying in your life, or that is the one whom you are glorifying. If you put great weight in worshiping the Lord, following him, reading his word, praising him, serving him, then you are putting weight or glory where it belongs. God says, I will not give my glory to another. I won't do it, and I don't want you to do it either. That's why idols are such a big deal as we've studied chapters 8 through 10 in 1 Corinthians. 
The Corinthians were giving their weight, their honor, their value, their time, etc., to things that don't really matter. In fact, things that could even potentially be destructive and demonic. And Paul said, don't do that. Because that very behavior will affect your behavior to other people. It will affect your decision making. Do you see, brothers and sisters, that your vertical relationship with God, that is you glorifying him vertically, will affect the horizontal because God's very person is what breathes out the law. God's glory connects to the goodness to my neighbor. That's what Paul's been talking about. And so oftentimes, if we look at something that's gone south in our lives, something that's amiss, something that's wrong with our marriage, our relationships, our own walk with Jesus, compromise, etc., it's because we've taken our eyes off of him. We've taken our eyes off of the glory. Now, we can have our reasons. Israel certainly did. We don't get it. Where is Moses? What's going on? We all can make our list. But as we focus on the glory of God, everything else will fall into place. You see... One of the most important things that we can do in our lives is pursue a relationship with Jesus Christ and the rest of life will take care of itself. Amen? But that's where we struggle. In this crazy world where so much comes at us. Now we'll see how far we can get because that was all introduction. Are you ready? 1 Corinthians 10, 23. Now, this appeared to be a slogan. Some scholars believe it even came from Paul and was either misapplied or maybe somewhat distorted by the Corinthians to excuse their behavior. But here's what it says. All things, 1 Corinthians 10, 23, are lawful. The Greek word existen is translated permissible in the NIV. But not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. Paul may be correcting there all things are lawful with the second part, not all things edify. So if you look at all things are lawful, we certainly have to understand in verse 23 that Paul, if he is quoting them, and we saw the same quotation in chapter 6, he is, he is certainly correcting them. And here's something we need to think about. All things, frankly, are not lawful, Right? We were just talking about the Ten Commandments, amen? All things are not lawful. Paul is talking about things that may not be specifically mentioned in Scripture. I want to make this point so it is crystal clear, especially in our modern culture. Anything in the Bible that's already been talked about that is not lawful or not permissible, you don't have to pray about. You don't have to seek counsel on. If the Word of God says don't do that, then don't do that. You don't need more information. It's already there. Paul's not talking about things that have already been clearly articulated as unlawful in the Bible. That, there's no guesswork there. He's talking about things in the Christian life that are not necessarily stated in Scripture. And there's a lot of them. There's a lot of applications. The Corinthians had written him a letter, as we studied earlier, and they had a list of questions about marriage and all these different things. So they had their list of questions. That's part of the reason that Paul wrote 1 Corinthians. But how about things that we don't necessarily have a clear Bible verse on? Some of us wonder about those kinds of things. Well, what if we embrace this idea that, of grace that Paul had brought to these cities and had discovered for himself that it's not about legalism. And let's just paint a, a quick picture. 
in the church, usually there are two extremes. They are legalism and license. Legalism is that there are people that get so caught up in rules could be the rules of their church, the rules of their family, the rules of their group. They're, those rules may not be scripture, but they've boxed themselves in with those rules. And sometimes what's happened in the evangelical church is that we've had rules that weren't really from the word of God at all. And then we've had the legalist on our back, breathing down our neck to ch- tell us to keep rules that are not even in the Bible. And that's a legalist. A legalist sometimes... As I heard another pastor say recently, sometimes you have to wonder if you can laugh around them because they walk around with a smug look on their face and everything seems to be wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. Don't. Did you crack a smile in here? That's wrong. (laughs) Right? That's a legalist. That's a pharisaical attitude. Jesus addressed the Pharisees because they had added to the law of God. He wasn't rebuking them for the law. He was rebuking them for all the weight they had put on the people. And he said, the things that you put on the people, you don't even do it. And you put it on the people. And you don't do it because I know your hearts. Ooh, it's inconvenient. Yes, God even knows your heart. You can fool other people, but you can't fool him. You're listening to Walk in Truth, and this was part one of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 called, For the Good of My Neighbor and the Glory of God. Hey, did you know that Pastor Michael also has written a book called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God? Did you know that each piece of armor exposes the typical ways we're tempted? Armor is for one thing, protection. It's called the armor of God because it's everything God is and provides for the believer. The one who wants to protect us is our Heavenly Father. And each piece God graciously provides reveals the nature and methods of attack. God is showing us the face of the enemy reflected in the pieces of his armor. This book will help you suit up, fight temptation, and stand strong in your spiritual life. Get your copy of the book today as a thank you when you give a financial donation of $5 or more for helping support our radio ministry. Please give online today at walkintruth.com or call 844 48 truth again walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH during normal business hours hey thanks for your donation and enjoy the book now here's pastor michael well we've been talking a lot about this idea of food sacrifice to idols how would partaking in something like that apply to today I mean, after all, we probably don't have something like this going on, at least that we know of, with partaking in a meal. Well, this could be about places and people and things that have to do with compromise or the old life. And this this would be trying to live in both worlds. This would be like, hey, I'm going to go over here and I know it's going to be a stumbling block for me or for others, but I'm just going to do it anyway because I, I think I'm free to do so. And it becomes all about self and really about this desire to go back to things that are not God honoring. And so I think we know, I think it's not hard for us to figure out when we're doing that, when we're genuinely going somewhere because we we believe it's going to be a good thing and uh, an opportunity as opposed to something that's going to be a compromise and a stumbling block. Well, this is Pastor Michael Lance. This is Walk in Truth. We're so glad you're listening. 
Tell a friend about what you're hearing on this program as we teach verse by verse through the books of the Bible. And we're in 1 Corinthians right now. So much great application. Hey, I want to tell you about a, an event that's coming up this Sunday night with Greg Kokel. And it's happening on the 26th. It's an evening service called 633 at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. Greg is going to be presenting material from his updated book called Tactics, a game plan for discussing your Christian convictions. A quick way to say this is that Greg's going to help us build a bridge from a conversation to getting to the spiritual things and doing it with questions and having a game plan. We have $5 brick oven pizza happening at 5 p.m. before the event. You can get a big slice of pizza, a bottle of water, or a soda, and it's going to be an awesome time to just grow in your faith and come and hang out with us. If you've been listening for a while, you're anywhere near the Inland Empire, you have a home church, but you'd like to get further equipped, this is an evening to come on out, and I would love to meet you. Now, you can sign up for this event. Let us know that you're coming when you go to walkintruth.com. And click on the event tab. Walkintruth.com. Click on the events tab. You can register there. Let us know that you're coming. If you have any questions uh, that we can help you with, call 844-48-TRUTH during normal business hours. Hey, one other way you can get information on the church here, Living Truth and Corona, is to download our Living Truth app in your app store. Look for the red logo with the pillars and you can find out all you'd like to know. You can listen to messages on there of past broadcasts or even Sunday morning and Wednesday night services and you can get it all when you download the app today. God bless you. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Tune in tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 called For the Good of My Neighbor and the Glory of God. I'm Mike Massaro and as always, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.